I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer Susan Slusser, and today, center fielder Ramon Laureano joins us to chat about his terrific contributions last year as a rookie, his off-season workouts, and his slow start to this season. Then-TV analyst and reporter Dallas Braden, the former A's left-hander, stops by to entertain us with some emphatic thoughts about the A's pitching staff and Matt Chapman, MVP, next on A's Plus. Today on the A's Plus podcast, we are joined by center fielder Ramon Loriano, who's going into his second full big league season. Uh, Ramon, first of all, talk to us a little bit about last season. You come up late in the season, end of August, and you have really a huge uh, impact on the team down the stretch. What, what was that like for you coming up in August and being able to do what you did? Uh, it was good. Uh, first of all, it was a dream come true to make it to the big leagues. And uh, it was really, really enjoyable and emotional. And uh, at the same time, uh, I had a lot of fun. Uh, I just tried to keep everything with myself and I slowed the game down and just helped the team win. Just another guy trying to get a ring at the end of the year. And that's what I did the whole time. And obviously this year. Were you surprised at all with your with your performance? Because I, I think people knew what you could do defensively. I'm not sure people understood like how good you were also going to be uh, with the bat. Uh, yeah, I, I heard that all the time about the, the offensive side, but uh, for me, I know what I can do. So that's all I care about, and that's all I, can, I hear about is what I say and my mom says and my dad. So that's it. Um, so this off season, I know you worked even harder than I think you, you usually do. Um, you told me during the spring that you put on 10 pounds of muscle. Tell us about your workouts and, and what your like what your day was like during the off season. Well. First of all, I, I enjoy working out, so that's like uh, something something that I, I, I like it. But uh, sometimes I know when I work too much, but I, but I take a day off or two until I feel like I, I'm recovering enough, and then I just keep going. But uh, you know, it's just a long day, but uh, I got nothing to do in the off season, so that's why I work out. And, uh, and yeah, it was pretty, what, I don't want to get into a lot of details, but uh, yeah, it's a lot of good hours, uh, enjoyable hours for me, I think, because it, it, because it's a hard work, it pays off, uh, but, it's, but yeah, it haven't paid off yet. So you um, you were working out twice a day, a lot of days, and you, I asked you how you put on the weight, you said you were eating like as many as six meals a day. What, what, what like mostly protein, What was what were you doing? Yeah, it's just a lot of uh, protein and and whatever my my, my mom cooks me at home, and uh, but uh, a lot of fruits and stuff like that too, and uh, a lot of pasta, and uh, but yeah, just mainly protein, a lot of fiber, and uh, but at the same time a lot of stretches. But I I, I start working out twice a day, like a month before the the spring training. 
But uh, it wasn't the whole season, yeah. so. Well, you were swimming and doing yoga and stuff too, right? You mixed it up. Yeah, I mixed it up. I didn't want to yoga as much as I wanted to, but uh, but uh, I went to some pool workout for like uh, three weeks, but I wasn't a big fan of that, but I won't do that again. But, but you know, just keep my, I had to change trainer because, uh, you know, whatever happened and, uh, but yeah, I just, yeah, I enjoy working out and yeah. Great. Is your is your mom a good cook? What's her name? Her name is Francisca, but she likes to be named by Nina. That's her nickname. Nice. Nina and uh, but she's great. She's here with me right now. Her and my dad. And uh, yeah, she cooks me while she's here. What are the best things she cooks? Uh, she cooks. Uh, I mean, whatever I say. But her, the best <laughs> is like uh, she has really good breakfast. I think. Uh, churrasco that's like uh, good meat and uh, plantains with uh, rice and green beans and yeah some avocado on the side oh, that sounds great no wonder you put on 10 pounds of muscle that'll, that'll work <laughs> yeah that will work yeah if you do that a couple times a day yeah so it's like you've got your own personal chef here that's pretty good that's a good deal for you right now yeah, so, yeah that's awesome. <laughs> yep. um, now this spring, um, you were hitting, hitting more home runs. Obviously, we know you can hit the ball out of the park, but you hit three home runs this spring. Um, how were you feeling at the plate during the spring? In spring, I didn't feel consistent at all, even to this point. I'm not gonna lie. And uh, but uh, you know, it's a gotta figure it out. Every year, you gotta you gotta figure it out. Something every year is different. Every year has brings different chances, uh, sometimes early in the season like this one, sometimes mid-season, sometimes at the end of, of the season. So uh, hopefully I can turn the page quicker than I think, uh, quicker than I expected expected to be, and uh, and never look back after that. Um, when you, I think you hit five homers last year in about 48 games, and obviously hit three in the spring. When you hit a bunch of home runs, can that lead a player to, to start thinking maybe home run too much? Is it on your mind? Do you find yourself maybe pressing to hit balls out of the park? No, whenever I'm going good, it, I just think the same thing. But I, right now at the moment, I don't even know what it is. But I always think something at the plate. But it's it just like we talked the other day. Uh, it's just about that confidence when you have a step in that box that you feel it. And it, and you see it on a hitter whenever he's confident coming to the plate. And I, that's what the great hitters do. And uh, But yeah, every time I'm going good, I can hit anything, any location, anywhere. But uh, it just got to keep getting my vitamins. I call my vitamins my routine. So yeah, right now I need some medicine. So yeah. Um, you're getting the day off. Do you feel like? Do you feel like maybe there's any like you needed a little bit of maybe a mental break? For me, I play every day. But uh, Bob knows he's freaking fantastic, and uh, he he knows how to handle everybody. So I I trust whatever he says. I'm just here to help the team win, and uh, I'll be supporting everybody tonight. And just like as soon as I got to the clubhouse, I I was going crazy. So. And you're ready off the bench, always. Always, yeah. yeah. Um, now, you and Bob both feel like you're not getting pitched too differently from last year. A lot of times a guy, second year in the, the big leagues, especially after coming in and doing a nice job as a rookie, you know, sees more breaking stuff, more sliders, things like that. 
you, you guys feel like you're still you're still getting like your fair share of fastballs yeah yeah I mean you know it's four games a small sample but at the same time I think every everything is normal yeah I just been swinging a pitch that I never swing it I don't usually swing it and uh, but uh, I mean it's the same as last at the end of last season it's literally the same uh, I just gotta figure out what you know I already know what it is, but uh, I don't, like I said, I don't want to get too much details. But but it just uh, gotta it's a process. It, it takes time, and uh, gotta be patient with it and optimistic at the same time. So that's what I'm doing right now. Uh, your guys' lineup looks a little bit different now. With Matt Olson obviously is uh, out for a few weeks after breaking the hamate bone in his hand. What do you think about the addition of Kendrys Morales? He's great. If you look at his stats against uh, righties, is it's really really good and then you put can against lefty i mean we're having that's a good i mean people look at the numbers you know like that's really really good and uh but yeah i mean we have a really good lineup right now uh it, it's pretty much the same close to the same but obviously we're gonna miss man especially in first base and he's off overall what he brings but he's been great in the clubhouse just like he always been so that's always good, and uh, but yeah, uh, I know he's a hard worker and he's gonna come back stronger, and he's very pretty motivated about it. You guys have a new outfielder in Robbie Grossman. He's playing left now on your, next to you. Uh, is it does it take a while to get used to having a new outfielder out there? What, what's that relationship like as you guys try to learn each other? Well, Robbie's pretty easygoing person. Uh, he's freaking great. I, I love that guy to death. Uh, we we got along since he came, since I saw his since I saw him in spring training and he got along with me we talk every day and uh, but yeah I mean we communicate literally like first day in spring training we already knew everything and uh, but that, you know communication is key in everything in life so uh, that's what we did and uh, robbie has been great yeah that's good to hear because I know Matt Joyce meant a lot to you he was one of the veterans that kind of took you under his wing last year right yeah, absolutely. Matt, he's now with the Braves, so, but yeah, he he took me. Yeah, he I learned a lot from him, and uh, I need to text him one of these days. I think you probably should. I'm sure he would love to hear from you. Yeah. Um, he's having fun in Atlanta, so. Oh, that's good. He's bounced around a lot already this season. Yeah, a little three times. Three, three times. Um, you guys are playing the Angels. I think everybody that even follows baseball probably saw your. The great catch you made last year at Anaheim and then the throw to double off Eric Young Jr. When you guys play the Angels, do any of them ever say anything to you like, oh man, don't do that again or anything? Anybody mention it to you? Uh, maybe a couple guys last year, but I don't remember right now. But uh, yeah, they did. A couple guys. It was, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Can you tell now that teams know about your arm? Uh... I really don't know yet, you know, but something they have this new, I mean, it's kind of a new thing. It's like a five-year kind of thing, but it's like a lot of teams, they, you know, they're going from first to third. It's like a mandatory kind of thing, going to first, first to third, second to home. So it doesn't matter who's throwing. Yeah, you'll have your opportunity to Yeah, yeah, yeah. And hopefully they just keep running. Oh, well, I hope we see another throw like that then. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I've been trying to make it a couple times, but it hasn't even been close to it. So. <laughs> All right, that's next on the list. Yeah. Awesome. Ramon Laureano, thanks for joining us so much on Ace Plus. Thank you, Susan. Thanks to Ramon Laureano for his time today. We'll be right back with the always entertaining Dallas Braden.
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Dallas Braden, the A's uh, TV now, what do we call you, analyst, sideline reporter? You're a little bit of everything, Dallas, yeah, aren't you? I'm the, um, the Chad Pinder of the broadcast team. Oh, I like it. Yes. That works, that works. Uh, and, of course, uh, the, a great left-handed pitcher for the, for the A's, too, um, joins us now on A's Plus. Dallas, uh, we are now in the actual U.S. portion. Yes, uh, stateside uh, season. State, stateside. Um, what do you make of the A's um, first uh, few games here, a handful of games, uh, including Japan, but uh, the first two against the Angels? Yeah, I, th- I think, uh, I mean, obviously it didn't work out how I think the team would have liked to <laughs> have it work out in Japan. Uh, you got to see some things. You got you got to figure out some stuff. Uh, I, I think what we've seen here, we've got some good starting pitching performances. Um, sometimes it goes the way you want it to. Sometimes it doesn't. I think late in the game, uh, we're starting to see... I think some opportunities in the bullpen arise that I think some jobs that might have been secure or concrete last year might not be so at this point in the season. And uh, it's not necessarily a negative. I think it's an opportunity for some guys to establish themselves, maybe reestablish themselves. Somebody that I think a lot about right now as I start to talk about this, is uh, Wendelkin. Yeah. And I would look for Wendelkin to become Sweet Lou 2.0. Yep. What we got out of Trevino last year and what we saw from Lou last year is something I think Wendelkin undoubtedly has in the tank this year. Yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely got the talent. Um, minimal use right. so far, um, the, you know, partly because the starters are going deep, which sure. I think if anybody looked at the team going into the season, you would say that the one question mark is the rotation. Mm-hmm. So far, the rotation, you know, especially here, what? fires look good. Estrada with a very nice outing at the Coliseum. Outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding. We're talking about the first, what, first 12 or 13 outs were, I mean, they were balls in the air or via the punch out. So the first 12, I think, were either pop-ups. What was awesome about is very weak contact, right? Yep. And look, you can say what you want about pitching here at the Coliseum. Uh, I think Trevor Cahill received a fairly decent payday, and I think that pitching at the Coliseum may or may not have had something to do with that. I think Marco Estrada could easily thrive in that same mindset, that same scenario. And whether whether or not it's about manipulating their outings and making sure that he's comfortable at home more times than he's seen on the road, whatever that may be. But uh, I, I think, yes, that is something obviously to be excited about early. Yeah, one of the things I really liked about his first out in the Coliseum was he also got the double play ball when he needed it. And Big that's, time. Yeah, that's Big not... time, especially with a guy who doesn't hit a lot of ground balls, right? <laughs> exactly. You don't get the ground ball. You needed it. You yeah. get it, especially from a guy that's tough to keep on the ground. That was big time. Yeah, the A's are just about just as, you know, and who knows what happens from here, but the A's are as good as any team in baseball in spotting the good bounce-back candidate among starting pitchers. Yes. They've done it year after year after year, and this is the guy for them this year that they, they hope to do that with. And he, he obviously, you know, he's had the hip problems, he's had back problems. So if you kind of knock that out and then you add the ballpark, mm-hmm. that could be a pretty nice pickup. Well, no doubt. And it's, it's funny you say that because 
Brett Anderson was probably one of those names that we are talking about now last year, right? Yeah, you absolutely. identify a guy. And I was I was actually talking to Brett kind of about this a couple days ago, and I, and I told him, you know, straight up, yeah, man, what's great is they've identified you and you are comfortable and understanding that you can provide a certain punch within a certain window. And if individuals that are coming here can understand that and can sort of embrace that, I think there is success to be had. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one of the things that's always funny is our storylines that develop during the spring. Um, you know, we've got to, you've got to talk about something, we've got to write about something, and they almost always wind up completely reversing when the season starts. <laughs> so, you know, toward the end of the spring, everybody was talking about, oh, Matt Chapman, you know, we started the season a little bit later with the surgeries. Chris Davis was slowed a little bit. They mm. both kind of look like maybe not quite themselves. And then the season starts, and they both look like they're in mid-season form. Loud noise. Loud noise. Loud noise. That's what's, you're going to get that from guys. And Chappie is one of the individuals who I talked a lot about last year when we talk about the group of guys just getting better all together at the same time. He was a guy, I think, early on, a little susceptible to the fastball in the upper part of the zone. He was getting beat to a spot up there. He started getting better at separating those balls and strikes. And then he got really good at hammering those balls at the top of the zone. And now we're seeing what we're seeing. For KD, this is a guy who, if you just take a look at the numbers, and I quit I quit running my mouth for two minutes, and you see 247, 247, 247. <laughs> two, consistency, model of consistency, and we can joke about that, but what that tells me is there is somebody who is comfortable in their process. How they arrive at the numbers that you see at the end of the year, there's a process that that takes he's comfortable with that process so the adjustments whether it's injuries or trying to get comfortable they will go through that and they will be exactly where they need to be at the end of the year and it's funny to think that they were tabbed as slow starters yeah. and we're seeing what we've seen yeah it's well that's how that's how it goes two that's kd how, yeah. bombs pull side susan pull side pull side let's we never go see that he's the oppo guy so uh um, now I've lost my train of thought. You make me laugh too much. Um, so another thing we saw during the spring was um, Ramon Laureano looked like he was maybe uh, off. He was actually legit off to a kind of a slow start, except for he was hitting home runs. Mm -hmm. Not getting on base a ton, but hitting a lot of home runs. Now he's opened the season a little slow. Any concern in your mind there? This is his first full major league season he's going into. Uh, I don't know if it's concern. I think what we're seeing is the book being thrown at him right now. And that's about the league understanding who he is. Right. They've had an entire offseason to sort of, uh, it's not like the Angels were at home stewing over how to get Ramon Laureano out, but everybody's think tank was at work. And those scouting reports have been fine-tuned and they've been polished and they've been presented and now we're seeing them being implemented. So for Laureano, him being the young guy who has the book out on him now, well, what's his job? Is to flip the script, right? He has to adjust to the adjustment. So. I do think it's something to pay attention to because, if I'm being honest, he has looked sort of out of sorts at the dish early on, and I don't know if it's pressing, pressing. because he made such a huge and immediate impact when he showed up, right. and he understands how big of a part he is of this offense. Absolutely. So I, I think pressing is probably the best way to describe it. Do I think it's something that we could see where he maybe – doesn't spin the whole season? I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think he's in a position, though, to be able to work with the staff because Darren Bush is one of the greatest at 
figuring out what is wrong with a guy and figuring out how to get him comfortable in making those adjustments. And I think Loriano will be a benefactor of that. What do you um, think about the Kendris Morales acquisition? Obviously, uh, very tough for the A's to see Matt Olson go down, um, probably be out four to eight weeks. That's always the handmade bones, always hard to figure out how long guys come back from. Um, but to almost immediately turn around and get an established veteran uh, for what the, you know, the, that lineup was getting very right-handed heavy, um, and particularly the spot behind Chris Davis is very important. What did you make of uh, that deal? Well, you're excited initially, and for the reason that you just mentioned was because I'm thinking, okay, we're not just completely right-handed now. We have the ability to sort of throw in a curveball in that lineup for the opposing manager with Kindris there. That's popped from the both sides. Numbers might not reflect it from last year, but he's going to run. He, you know, give him 500 plus ABs. He's a guy that can run into 2025 still at this point in time. Is he going to get those 500 ABs? Probably not. Is he here until Matt Olson is back and swinging it healthy? I think probably so. But in terms of having a switch hitting power veteran presence in the lineup right now behind a Chris Davis who is doing what he's doing, you like to have that threat behind him. And I think at the very least, at bare minimum, that's what that's offering. Obviously, we have not talked since the Jesus Lazardo injury. He's out probably a good two months or more, maybe in mid-season. I don't want to talk we don't about want it. To, we just, we're we're going to be we're, in that, denial that about it. That didn't happen. It didn't happen. No. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, so the A's will be without him for a while. Um, how do you feel about the depth they're looking at now? Do they need to maybe redouble their efforts to sign Edwin Jackson, look elsewhere? Are you happy with, you know, the, this combination of Brooks gets the first shot at the fifth starter spot, then you've got maybe somebody like Daniel Mington, Chris Bassett, some of those other guys that, that we've seen here and, and at times have had very good success here. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think the depth is there. And the names you've just mentioned have been guys, I think, who in their own right at certain point in times have been given what has been deemed an opportunity, whether it is a full opportunity. I, I, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I think guys, I mean, I think about a guy like Daniel Mingdon, who at times was unbeatable, it looked like, and then at times he struggled, he scuffled. Yeah. Uh, but given the opportunity to right that ship, I think we saw him make adjustments. Mm -hmm. Same thing with Chris Bassett as well. You know, you've got guys on the mend coming back. You think about a guy like Jarrell Cotton. You think there's So the depth is there. A.J. Puck coming off. Tommy John is going to be okay. Lazardo, as soon as he gets that shoulder to quit barking, he'll be fine. The depth is there, but I think with the, the two aforementioned, the, the Puck and Lazardo, those are injuries that you have to pay attention to because those are guys you're factoring into that depth right, platoon. Right, right. And Well, they could be looking at a pretty amazing rotation oh, after mid-season. Are you kidding me? Manaya maybe back. Yes. You know, Lazardo, like you Puck, as you mentioned, Cotton. Mm -hmm. I mean, that they could be going from, oh, it looks a little thin at the back, to, wait, who, who are we going to leave the, out the, of this? The one thing I think about when you are trying to take guys or pluck guys from AAA and bring them back up here and have them try to reestablish themselves is the team in a position to undergo those, uh, not growing pains, but undergo that turbulence or that potential turbulence? Or is the team looking for someone that they can plug and play with expectations? And I think a guy like Edwin Jackson is somebody who wholly represents an individual that you could sign today. He would be throwing bullpens on the airplane right here <laughs> and could get you an out that night and be ready for you tomorrow if you needed them. Yeah, I, th I think most of the A's fan base is with you on that. I hear from a lot of people saying, why haven't they done this yet? And my understanding is 
He had his, he's changed agents since then, but mm -hmm. I think his initial agent for this offseason was uh, maybe a little bit of an overreach on the contract, especially now you've seen what the market is. Right. Like, Goodness gracious. Um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't hate them maybe looking at Dan Straley on a minor league That's deal. A, well, and it's somebody that you're familiar with. Right, and Dan right. Straley has done a good job over the last few years of sort of reconditioning himself. He's done a lot of work with the folks up at Driveline Baseball, yeah. the Velocity Farm in the Northwest. Uh, so he's somebody that I, I mean, and, and he has an idea of how to pitch. Absolutely. Uh, you know, he's right-handed, not not overpowering stuff from the right side, but that last point I made about learning how to pitch, he's done okay at the top of the zone yeah. the last couple of years with his repertoire that he's refined. So there's there's options out there. Yeah, no doubt. familiarity with both, which I, the A's always like. They always value. They're not a team that's like, oh, we've seen that guy, we're done with him. They're no, like, no, oh, no. hey, we know him. We can, <laughs> If he's got something that we can fix or tweak, we can do it. Brett which, Anderson, part three. Brett Anderson, part three. Brett Anderson's just going to come back every couple of years. He's <laughs> yes. never going to go away. <laughs> you know what? I talked to him yesterday. He, he told me he's lost 10 pounds. Mm -hmm. uh, he looks like he's feeling his position. Mm -hmm. better I mean okay we're, it was a low bar it was a low bar but uh, he he's, did he has he's turned in some nice plays I actually I, I joke with him uh, I joke with that with him about that a lot I tell him Brett you're looking great I haven't seen you fall down there aren't many grass stains on your legs after the game when you're pitching everything seems to be working out he's, he's in a good spot he is in a good spot well you know for a guy that is you know gets a lot of ground balls you can help yourself a little bit here and there that's that could go you know, out out or two more a game well that's... i was i was i was kind of teasing him about uh you know kindris being over at first and him being on the mound oh boy. i said brett <laughs> what, what, what's going to happen when you see somebody square around and try to push one up the right side and he goes i'm going to probably get a double play the next <laughs> the next batter it's <laughs> a very good way to look at it um now uh speaking of guys you've played with um eric chavez was in the house yeah, yesterday Chavez. you have now now seen, I've been asking a lot of people this because I don't know the answer myself, but you saw Chavez a lot. You've obviously seen Matt Chapman a ton. Um, could you choose one? If you had to choose right now, which is the better third base? Chavez said flat out, I, I think it's Matt Chapman. Uh, I know Nolan Arenado last year told us he thinks it's Matt Chapman. Which way are you going to go? Well, you know what? I'll say this. I'll tell you this because I had the opportunity to sit down for almost two hours with Arenado this spring and talk to him at length about Chappie and their time in high school together. Obviously, teammates with Chavi. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get to see Chavi at the height of his health and at the height and the peak of his performance. I was watching those on TV, though. Right, right. You're a guy. You saw him. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. I mean, he patented that, that playoff to the side, the swirl, the twirl, the pop up and throw a strike over. He patented that, it, it feels like. Um, right now... I just don't know if anybody, I don't know if anybody can hold a candle to match up. And, and, and Arenado is elite, yeah. elite. And I, I, I would take what I've seen from Matt Chapman right now with, with, with a gun to my head, I'm, I'm, taking, I'm taking Chapman. And that's, that's no disrespect towards Arenado. I, I just think about two plays, Susan. Three, actually, now that I think about it. D. Gordon, twice last year, twice. tried to yep. bunt on Chapman with a shift. Chapman is playing shortstop and comes in and one play, he actually used his glove. And the reason that this is a big deal, folks, is because when you have D Gordon running down the baseline, you don't have time, you don't have time <laughs> to transfer the baseball. And Chapman, well, if you're Matt Chapman, you do, because you got an absolute canyon for a throwing arm. So he makes that play ridiculous, and D is like, that ain't happening again. So he tries it again, and guess what, D? You're 0 for 2. And then we see him pull it again in Japan, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. D, 
It doesn't work in America. It doesn't work in Japan. It's an international no-no, D. It's an international no-no. So when I see that, and I see Matt Chapman making plays barehanded from shortstop, coming in with the shift on, and making plays over at first base, it's really not a conversation for yeah, me. Yeah, I agree with you. And um, I like Bob Melvin the other day said, he almost worries that maybe we're just getting too used to it. Like, it's yeah. like, oh yeah, we just expect it now. Oh, mm-hmm. And he said Profar came into the bench after that uh, double play that Chapman started the other night on the on the line. Yeah. And uh, and Profar was said, wow, did you see that? And Melvin was like, kind of remembered again, like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That is really yeah, well, special. Kinda, we're, used, we're so used to it. We expect it. It's funny you say that because we saw that. We noticed that up in the booth, and we were just kind of laughing, like, how long do you think it's going to take him to get used to it? And I yeah. go, ah, yeah, give, give him a month, and he's going to get tired of the tired ridiculous of plays you've oh, seen. So good. I'm actually working on a story uh, on Chapman's base running. I mean, he does everything so well, but his base running has always been good. To me, out of the gate this season, his base running is just impeccable it's special and he gamb- like he gets the the hustle double yesterday yep. when in a nothing nothing game mm-hmm. uh he beats out an infield okay. single that was really tough play he's always hustled he's fast but his instincts and his knowledge and he's only going into the second season how do you know on that double when it's Cole Calhoun who's got a great a cannon yeah how do you know you're going to be able to make that well well if we're going to be fair about it if Listella doesn't yeah. cut that ball off, there's a solid chance Chappie's out. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but to your point, the baseball IQ, the baseball instincts, he was committed to that play. He knew this is what I need to do right now. This is what I'm going to do right now. And to your point about him only being in his second season, he spends a ton of time with Mark Kotze. He spends a ton of time with Ricky Henderson. And when you talk about feel for a game, I'm teammates with Marcotze, so I was able to watch that play out day in and day out. I've had the opportunity since I was a player here to spend time with Ricky and just talk talk baseball with him. You understand who these guys are. That's who he shows up and goes to work with every day. So it is not lost on me why we are seeing his game round out as soon as we are seeing it round out. It's, uh, it's no mystery to me that he's got a nose for the game, he's got a love for the game, and he's got damn near every tool you need to play it. Yeah, special, a potential MVP, I think. Oh, for no me. doubt, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, Dallas, you have uh, personal news of your own. You did not go to Japan. Tell us why. I did not go to Japan because I had, a ch- my wife had the child. I had a little bit to do with it. She did all the work. I was there, I was cheering on, I did the wave. Uh, but yeah, I got a brand new baby girl. Marley Rose is her oh, name. Beautiful. Yes. Uh, her big sister is in heaven. She thinks that we had her just for her. I think. Uh, which, that is, lasts. which is kind of go. <laughs> which is kind of how it goes. Yeah. Um, so that's 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 what I've been doing. Yes. My my wife Meg is at home. Everybody's happy and healthy, enjoying it. Um, I'm just. I continue to be amazed at the superhero my wife becomes because I, I need all the help in the world in every facet. And she's got two children on top of the big kid myself to take care of. So no, it was, I mean, she called me and I was in Florida and she's as calm as ever. Hey, it's time. And I'm like, you're having the child and I'm losing my mind. I'm getting on an airplane, flying back from Florida. We get home, take her to the hospital. Uh, you know, going through contractions or whatever, and then she's like, oh, you know, I, uh, I think I'm all right. The doctor sends us home, 
we spend the next three days going through contractions and you know like is this going to happen is it not and then finally she woke me up day three in the morning was like we're going about a half hour later it felt like the baby was here oh wow yeah it was oh that's nice yeah yeah the doctors actually told her you could have done this uh on the planes very easily like pioneer woman you got it covered yeah. Well, congratulations, Dallas. Uh, and as always, thanks for joining us on A's Plus. Of course. Many thanks to Dallas for joining us today. You can watch Dallas Braden on NBC Sports California and follow him on Twitter at DallasBraden209. Our producer today was Libby Coleman. We'll be back with more later in the week. Thanks for listening. A's Plus is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter, at Susan Slusser. Support A's Plus and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sanfranciscochronicle.com slash subscribe.